You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. Uh, that was Club Integral. You are currently hearing the sounds of Wales and me. <laughs> I am Leo, and this is Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. And with me, as usual, is Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi there, Leo. Um, We've got so a full studio today. We do have a very packed studio. We've got Catherine and Lucy back from Very Loose Women Retirement. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. They're on tonight's show to speak about plastic in the oceans, which is the reason for this. <laughs> That is a whale. It's uh, a humpback. How do you know? Well, I, I saw the clip that goes with it. <laughs> but also, you, you select the whale humpbacks song. sing a lot. So, uh, Well, that's some good, good whale knowledge there, Lucy. How has life been without Very Loose Women, you two? Um, I've, I've missed it a lot, but it, it's been very productive in sporting terms because the time I normally spend on the show, I've been learning how to play tennis, so I can now actually hit a backhand, not showing off. But I have been much less creative. What so. about the conversational volley of the <laughs> very little women tennis court? <laughs> what exactly. a witty repartee. <laughs> See, that's the kind of thing you've been missing out on. I have been missing it a lot, actually. I yeah. miss having a, a hobby, which is probably why I've organised a screening to fill that <laughs> void. It's nice to be back. So the screening that Lucy is talking about is A Plastic Ocean, which will be screened on the 13th of February at World Cinema in Camberwell. And we are going to be talking about that screening and how you can get tickets tonight. But first of all, I wouldn't want to dislodge Gripe of the Week. <laughs> Emma, can you start, please? Yeah, so I accidentally thought of a topical grape, but I've been put on clean team at school, which is so obviously I work in a school. And what happens is every week, some people get chosen, selected, lucky, lucky people to um, clean the staff room at break and lunchtime and load and unload the dishwashers. And what it basically teaches you is that anyone who works in the school is just absolutely filthy and has no regard for cleanliness. And I've, I've learned that this week. So that's my gripe. Also, what I've realized is you get put in this group of four people but a lot of people revolt against the system of being put in this random group and actually don't do the cleaning. So what happens is, you know, it all has all fallen down to me to load and unload a dishwasher. And actually, my mini celebration of the week might be that it's the first time I've ever used a dishwasher. So now I've learned wow. something new. Lucy. Yeah, I, I kind of want to talk more about the clean team. It's, it doesn't sound like it's working terribly well. Um, my gripe of the week is to do with the cold weather. And it's that moment where you come out of the house or wherever you live, flat, whatever, caravan, I don't know, canal boat, boat, whatever it might be. And you realise that you've put on an inadequate scarf. Either it's too thin, it doesn't fill the void between your coat you and the top what? of your really neck. You know I get stressed out when people are wearing scarves and you can see skin under the scarf. Yes. Like you are going to get a cold. <laughs> Wear a roll neck. It's not that hard. Yes. And then there's like the scarf thing when you then go maybe into the tube and then it's immediately too hot. So I'm finding mm. that the cold weather regulation and scarf wearing quite How's stressful. How's your scarf today? It's a beautiful scarf. Uh, thanks. It's quite an old one. I actually felt like when you were talking about that, it looks quite flimsy. It's beautiful, but but potentially flimsy. I agree. It's it deceptive. Like a summer scarf. It's deceptive. It's quite. It's got quite a lot of layers, and you can kind of plump it up. But it's definitely not my best scarf. I've got some much woolier ones out there that would have been better deployed today. I, I find that the tube situation quite mm. hard. To I've handle. got a small survey: scarf or snood. Would, or oh, snood. scarf! Snoods don't work. Scarf. Oh my god, I'm snooding up right now, and I love it. But the snood doesn't hug the neck. Yeah, mine does. It's, it's I a fashion. I, item. I double wrap. 
Ooh, it's fashion. A double item. Wrap. Do you not feel like you're being strangled? I like that. It's comforting. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> Catherine, do you have a gripe? I've got a gripe and I've got a mini celebration as well. Um, my mini celebration's a bit cheesy, but I hope you'll forgive me. It's my one year anniversary Aww. with my partner. Congratulations. And you're here. here. <laughs> I know. Um, which is a paper anniversary. And what, when are you taking that from? Like what is num- <laughs> like how what is number one day? Because is it like a shag anniversary? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we discussed question, a few different options and mm. uh, because we first kind of um, got together interpret that as you will on new year's eve and new year's eve is new year's eve we decided that that was kind of out we never really had a proper date because we just seemed to start spending all our time together so we just fixed on a kind of day which i think we did something particularly nice or it was the first time he cooked for me or something but it was very random and we decided that it was going to be this day um, but anyway, there is my mini celebration. My gripe is that you can't go to the shop and get things, even though the shop will always sell them, you can't buy them in a refill. So for example, every shop, like a supermarket, will always sell orange juice. And they'll all sell the same brand of orange juice and people will have that every single week. So this is topical. Why don't they just have a giant vat, a bit like the kind of bottomless drink that you can get in certain restaurants or brunch outlets and go and you can just help yourself? Because it would definitely go down and it would make a lot of sense, I think. Catherine, that is something we are going to be tackling head on in the show. (laughs) And actually... I'm glad. I've got... um, Our regular contributor, Phyllis from Germany, sent us a gripe, which is also recycling related. So I'm going to I'm going to play it right now. So I'm going to start with a gripe because I realized that I've been using plastic almost every day to wrap my sandwiches that I take to work because otherwise they would just fall apart. And I don't really know what to do about that. But I guess I also have a related mini celebration, um, which is that I hardly ever use coffee to go cups. And um, this is what I want to talk about today a little bit. Um, I'm going to start with some numbers for coffee to go cups. Um, in Frankfurt, where I live, 25 million cups per year get thrown away. In Germany, overall, that's 320,000 per hour. And someone actually figured out that if you would stack those up, it would be um, a pile that would uh, reach the moon within one year. Um, So that's pretty, pretty bad. And um, I didn't find any numbers for London, but in the whole of UK, it's 10,000 cups in two minutes. And um, overall, that's 2.5 billion coffee-to-go cups per year. Um, But what's uh, pretty cool is that just last week... um, Frankfurt started to discuss about a deposit so that um, you actually have to pay something like a euro and you get a reusable cup. Um, Okay, so Lucy, listen, you're back on the show, not just because you've missed our company and and also Mm -hmm. not just because you wanted to air your gripes in a more public arena than maybe your (laughs) own home, but you're also here to talk about your film screening, which is coming up. So can you tell us about the film and why you're showing it? Sure. Okay, so the film is called, as Lily said, A Plastic Ocean. And it's a new documentary uh, directed by a guy called Craig Leeson and produced by Adam Leipzig and Joe Ruxton, who also was involved in Blue Planet um, on the on the Beeb when that was on. Um, and essentially, I came across this movie, which is about the quite important intractable problem of plastic pollution in the global ocean environment. 
and I, I wanted to see it. So I was looking up where it was on and it was showing in various festivals around the world. And eventually I found some London screenings. But unfortunately, I soon found that you could only attend the screenings if you were also a member of Soho House. So when did you kind of get into the ocean? As in, not physically. <laughs> the first time I got into the ocean, I was probably a baby. Um, Intellectually. I've always enjoyed being by the sea, and I think I've always loved animals. Um, and my love of the ocean environment, I think, has evolved over a long, long time. I, I'm i also a bit scared of the ocean from a swimming perspective. It's quite a... It, it's, it's vast. It can be quite dark. You never quite know what's swimming beneath you. But um, I once did, like, a, a trial taster scuba diving session when I was in my teens. You know, it was, like, an you know, inexpensive t- taster. I mean, it's very, very short. Cause scuba diving is very expensive. And I was just amazed at all of the stuff under there. And I guess I've just... My, my, my interest has grown from there, really. And then it's become a bit of an obsession with whales as well. Yeah, I was going to say, like, your Twitter presence is very whale-based. It is. It is. Um, Again, you know, whales I find fascinating, possibly because they're so large and mysterious and curious and intelligent. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I enjoy finding out about them, learning about them, reading about them. And the film Blackfish, I remember, had a big impression on you. Yeah, I think it remains probably the most powerful, disturbing, fascinating documentary I've seen. Um, Strongly recommend, but I imagine a lot of people listening have seen it. Um, And that, I suppose, has sparked my interest in reading more um, about the ocean. Strongly recommend Sylvia Earle's book, The World is Blue, which is kind of an overview, really, of all of the perils facing the ocean uh, environment. And there's some good stuff you can do online as well. Like I did a satellite course on FutureLearn, learning about tracking and monitoring the world's oceans. Mm. It's quite interesting. Also online, there were several um, which whale are you quizzes. And we all found out, or some of us here found out what whales we would be. Although I think most of us were the same whales, so I doubt the... Which whales are you all? Well, I was a blue whale. I also came up as a blue whale, but I think I'm probably more a humpback. I'm a humpback. I know I'm a humpback. I'm definitely a humpback. How do you know? Oh, because it's the only whale I've seen. So I'm just like, that's me (laughs) And you like to sing. I do like to sing. That's true. When you showed me that beluga whale, its little face was quite similar to my face, I thought. So actually, physically, physical appearance wise, I'm more of a beluga. A humpback whale is known for singing. Yeah, Am I displaying my whale ignorance? I thought they all made they do, sweet sounds. They do, a lot of them make sounds, but some are more like clicking sounds and whistling right. sounds, whereas the humpback is more of a, a song. Ah, okay, interesting. Um, I came up as the grey whale. It, um, the quiz said, different from the others, you take things <laughs> slow are. and steady. Your quiet charm and classic nature make you naturally elegant and charming to those around you. Great. I think it's a classic nature quiz. Excellent. Well, speaking of quizzes, I prepared my own whale quiz for this (laughs) exact moment. We're all ears. So now, okay, I've got some questions here, and I've kind of, there's a couple of different ways you can answer this. So question number one is, and maybe the format can be, you know, you make a whale sound and you get called upon to answer the question. Um, Now, how big is a heart of a blue whale? What I'm going to say here is you can either give me an object that you think might be the same size, you can give me the weight in pounds, because that's what they've given me, or you can tell me how many cans of baked beans you think it's weighs as much as. Those are your three options. About 16 baked bean cans. That wasn't a whale sound. A Vauxhall... a Vauxhall, uh, is it a polo? Something like that. Oh my gosh, you know, yeah. Is it go a on. mini? 
So there are possible options where, yes, there's a VW Beetle. Oh. It weighs up to a thousand pounds, and that is one thousand one hundred and eleven cans of baked beans. Bit off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How long does the longest living whale live for? <laughs> oh, that's a really nice whale sound. I think the longest living whale is um, two hundred years old, something like that. Whoa. Any other? Um, any? I'm going for a hundred. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, good noise, Catherine. Leo, you keep not doing a whale noise. I don't think you were listening to the rules. Uh Um, I'm going to say over 300 years. And Leo, what do you think? Go on. (laughs) Try to do the whale sound, I can't do it. You're a a sleepy whale. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool, yeah, go on, what do you think? I think about 100. Well, turns out Lucy was right, unsurprisingly, our whale expert. Yeah, um, boho whales, uh, they might live over 200 years. Okay, we've got some true or false questions. Do you know how they know that? How do they know that? Because they found embedded in the in the skin of, of uh, the blubber of a bowhead whale, like objects that were fired by um, people who hunted them, but that, that predate obviously modern technologies. So they can date the whale from this these um, spears and, and various items that they found lodged in them, which I think is incredible. Could be, <laughs> Could a, family be a family heirloom, yes. For um, the whale or for the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, true or false, the blue whale is the largest animal that's ever existed, larger than the largest dinosaur ever found. True. Oh psh. True? I'm going for true. Anyone uh, disagree? Largest than the largest, larger than the largest dinosaur ever found. Leo, I see you peering over my shoulder at the answers, <laughs> and that is not how this. I mean, I know it's radio, but we all know what you're doing. Okay. okay. Yes, I'll give you that. Yes, it's true. And question number, well, I don't even know four possibly. True or false? Whales never sleep. A false. I'm going with false for that. And where was your whale sound? Yes. Oh, oh. false. Okay. Go on. Counter answer. Then what's your counter answer to that? They do sleep. Mm, Lucy? I think they rest by turning off different parts of their brain. That is accurate. Oh, I'm not that's sure. very good knowledge. They only, they only turn half their brains off because otherwise they would forget to take air in and they would drown. So Emma, I see what you're doing here by doing a very long whale quiz so you don't have to sing your song about litter, but I want to hear it anyway. I'm happy to sing my song about litter, but I thought it was good to have a thorough whale quiz. Okay, so when I was at school, when I was about 10 years old, this is not my best song, you guys have heard that in the Childhood Songs episode, which is available as a podcast on Acast. But um, <laughs> my uh, song, I was in a band called L, like E L E, and I we had a song it's called Litterbug, and it went like this: Litterbug, Litterbug, why do you drop it? Litterbug, Litterbug, why don't you pick it up? I think that was it. Exceptional. I love the syllable in the pick it up. That's wonderful. Actually, that was not quite accurate, but I'll try and remember it for later on. But that's all you're getting is a taster of the full song. I think that should become the number one hit. So I want to move on, thanks to that song, it makes a handy transition onto plastic pollution, which is what we're going to talk about for the last 13 minutes of this show. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about this Cornish, Cornish Beats story? Oh, sure. I just thought it was an amusing anecdote. Or maybe not amusing, maybe also sad. But there's something kind of strange in it. So there was a Lego shipment that was, I don't know, trawling the seas, um, making its way to some children's homes, possibly. And um, basically, it kind of ran aground. And one of the containers that was full of Lego pieces uh, kind of ran aground on this Cornish beach. So every so often, you can find bits of Lego washing up on this Cornish beach. Um, But what's funny about it and what's interesting is that uh, the theme 
of the Lego that was washed up is actually all underwater themed. So you're no. getting a lot of, yeah, so you're getting a lot of little divers and all that kind of thing. People just find them in caves and stuff. Well, I mean, a publicity stunt. A really not. bad that, one. Yeah. <laughs> a very <laughs> polluted so, so cynical. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting. So Lucy, story. what what do you know about like the impact of plastic in the pollutions? Why is it such a big issue? And why so, does it deserve a documentary? Essentially, this the, the current estimate is something like 8 million tonnes of plastic get dumped in the ocean every year, kind of accidentally, deliberately, through a combination of different polluting mechanisms, including stuff like microbeads going down the, the pipes from our um, showers where we're all exfoliating using tiny bits of plastic that um, don't get filtered out. So it's a major kind of pressing, growing problem. And the issue with plastic in the ocean is essentially what might start as relatively large pieces, some will stay uh, intact, but actually over time, those things will break down into smaller and smaller pieces. Um, a lot of which ends up being consumed by seabirds, by fish, um, because it, it breaks down so small that it sort of resembles little bits of plankton. So you start to see the plastic ending up in the food chain. You start to see wildlife um, dying from plastic ingestion. But also plastic has various um, chemical properties. And as it breaks down, it can release endocrine disrupting um, chemicals, which they think may affect then... Um, may accumulate, sorry, uh, uh, these chemicals may accumulate in animals as they go up the food chain. So even in sort of larger marine mammals, they're probably not eating um, plastic directly, but they might be consuming fish who have eaten or which have eaten plastic. Um, and then that builds up toxin levels in those animals. So the larger the fish um, species, the longer living it is, the more chemical pollutants it's likely to have um, building up in its um, skin, flesh, bodily organs. Uh, I, which can ultimately, you know, kill those creatures. I, I got into watching YouTube documentaries about plastic bags affecting turtle shells mm. as well. Well, they'll while they're growing, the turtles they'll like latch onto part of the shell, and then it'll just grow up deformed. Um, and so that's like one problem that's been directly addressed by the plastic bag legislation that came in last yeah. year, where we now have to pay 5p for a plastic bag. Um, is there anything beyond, obviously, what is legal requirement that you've been doing to circumvent these uh, this plastic waste issue? I think it's very, very difficult in the world that we currently live in to kind of completely eliminate your use of plastic. But I think that the biggest single thing people can do is probably try and avoid single-use plastics where they can. So obviously the plastic bag issue you've mentioned, but perhaps, you know, if you're buying fruit and veg, um, buying stuff that's not ready packaged, um, going to a market where you can, where perhaps you can request to have things without packaging or can reuse the same packaging that you've used before. Um, and and obviously just recycling everything where you can, being conscious of what you're flushing down the toilet, for example. There's big problems with people flushing earbuds. Or co uh, what are they called? Those little ear things. Yeah, yeah. earbuds. Yeah. Earbuds. Um, those often end up uh, polluting ocean environments. So all of these small things we can do make a difference. Also avoiding like plastic straws. Plastic straws are a major pollutant. Um, and then if you want to do something more active, um, in the UK, the Marine Conservation Society organises kind of beach cleans and you can head out to a beach and spend some time cleaning up um, the environment and getting to know people who also care about the beach. My dad's a very proud fork, friend of the River Kelvin. Nice. And they do that in Glasgow as well. So we did a Twitter call out uh, this throughout this week, um, re re trying to find people for the show who 
listeners who have done something to do with plastic and making an effort for plastic um so we've got two contributions one from elsa who's contributed to the show before actually on this on this topic of her uh cross atlantic i think uh, pacific solo row that's the one that's um, so we're going to hear from her now on the issue of plastic waste Okay, so hi Elsa, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, I just wanted to ask you how you got involved with Plastic Oceans. Well, so I was um, rowing across part of the Pacific uh, two and a half years ago, and part of what I was doing was taking samples of seawater as I went um, to look and find out how much, how much microplastic there was in each sample. Um, and I was also raising uh, sort of awareness of um, plastic pollution and raising funds for uh, three charities, which included um, Plastic Oceans Foundation. Cool. And why yeah. are oceans so important to you? I I suppose I spent a lot of time on the ocean or by the ocean. I grew up by the sea um, and I spent time sailing and, and rowing out on the ocean. So I kind of had a lot of really formative experiences out there. And what are your concerns with oceans at the moment? Well, the thing that I'm, I think there's probably a lot of issues with oceans, but the one that I've been focusing on is plastic pollution. Um, and the samples that I was taking out in the Pacific were from areas of ocean that looked completely clear and were so, so far away from land and so beautifully crystal clear. But when I took a litre sample, every single one of them had multiple pieces of plastic in them, like microplastics in them. Um, at least 10 pieces in each one. Um, and that's kind of scary because it's all over the world, all, all, all in the oceans and going into the food chain. Um, and we don't still know what effects that will have long term. And where exactly were you when you were taking the samples? Somewhat west of Guadalupe, um, off the coast of Mexico. What do you do? So obviously you've got a concern about plastics <laughs> in the water. What do you do to reduce your use of plastics or what can we do? Just look, looking at like single-use plastics are the, the main culprits. So things like making sure you're not buying bottled water, but like plastic bottles of water and then throwing away the bottles. Have a, have a bottle that you carry around and you fill up with water. Um, not accepting plastic bags at shops. Um, as much as you can, buying fruit and vegetables and things. Um, from somewhere that, that isn't selling it wrapped in plastic where you get kind of four apples in a, on a bed of plastic mm -hmm. in plastic cellophane. Um, I'd say that's probably the biggest and, and easiest thing you can do to um, reduce your use of plastic is those single-use plastics. And let's talk about marine animals just briefly. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of whale do you most relate to? <laughs> um, I thought that I've, yeah had a lot of times. Well, um, <laughs> when I was out on the ocean, um, I saw a lot of um, pilot whales, which I suppose are, aren't quite whales, but um, I really, I really liked those. That was, I felt really excited to see them and I was surrounded by them for quite a long time. So I think probably I'll have to relate to those. That's fair. And I, I remember yeah. when you were setting off on this journey, you had some good shark attack tips. Do you still remember them and can you relay them to our listeners in case... Oh, gosh, I don't know if I can remember the oh, really? Um, but I think probably various ones. Um, I, I did spend some time when I was out there thinking about what I would do if I was attacked by a shark. And I think I was very unlikely to be attacked by a shark. Um, there was one time when I had a, a, a shark fin sort of circling me when oh I was in goodness. an area where there were a lot of great white sharks. But it wasn't doing anything to me and probably I should have just enjoyed looking at it. But I was sort of thinking quietly... 
if it comes rushing towards me, what am I going to do? And I was imagining maybe using my oar as a bit of a weapon, maybe. I see. If well, I had to. The oceans are beautiful, but potentially deadly. I remember <laughs> the tips that you told me. You said bump oh, yeah, well, it on the nose and also don't, don't pee yourself. Draws attention it's like blood, it kind of attracts and they've oh, got a really no. good sense of smell. So I used to, when I was in this area that had a lot of great white sharks, I used to um, not throw my um, bucket of wee and things over the side of the boat until I was moving. So if it was, if, if it was overnight, I kept it on the boat until, until the morning when I started to move because I didn't really want to stay, lie sleeping surrounded by um, the, my, sort of my scent that might be drawing sharks and things. That's a really that's an excellent tip for any of our listeners yeah, who are planning on absolutely. doing any Pacific rowing or anything like that. <laughs> well, thank you and thank you for your excellent contribution to Plastic Oceans while you were no rowing. I'm sure it was greatly appreciated. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us and thank I will you. talk to you soon in maybe a more private arena. Back in November 2015, it was the time of the Paris Climate Change Agreement. I was reading some stuff online and I happened to come across an article that said every single piece of plastic that's ever been made is still with us in some form. So plastic never actually, uh, you can't recycle it. It never actually degrades. Um, yeah. It just breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces. Yeah, every single piece we've ever made is still with us. And that just really hit, hit home. I just thought that, that's insane. I then got onto reading about more articles about uh, plastic-free and zero-waste lifestyles. Yeah. And I just thought, I just, I wonder if I could do it. So I tried the plastic free challenge. Um, yeah. I tried to live without um, single use plastic for a month and it was quite difficult. So it's specifically um, single use. So like if you had, uh, say, a pen that you were going to use many times, that was okay. Yeah, that was okay. If, okay. You could re- if you could use something more than once, that was okay. Oh, okay. Um, it was specifically <laughs> items that you were going to um, use once and then throw away. But that, I mean, that's things like plastic bottles, which, you know, is kind of obvious and plastic um, coffee cups. But it also includes things like uh, loaves of bread. When you buy a loaf of bread, it comes in a bag. Yeah. You use that bag once, then you throw it away. So it, it was quite a challenge to um, try and live without all that kind of stuff. What are your tips? How did you go about it? How did you avoid plastic? The first thing I did was I did a ton of research online. There's a fantastic online. There are some shops where you can buy loose fruit and veg, particularly market stalls. But there are a few other, um, not exactly supermarkets, but places like Whole Foods yeah. um, in London. There's a few branches of that, so you can buy loose things. Some things you have to be a bit creative. Um, you either make your own or you go without. So things like yogurt is, is pretty much impossible to buy uh, without any plastic. You have to make it yourself. I didn't go that far. I just didn't oh, yeah. yogurt for a month. Um, and toiletries are quite difficult as well. So um, uh, you can buy shampoo in the form of a bar of soap. Only from certain places, like so Lush, sell them. So I investigated that. But yeah, I also tried uh, plastic-free toothpaste, which was a bit of an interesting one. What um, was that in? Uh, so again, Lush sell um, toothpaste in the form of very small. They're almost like little pills. Oh right. Um, and when you when you crunch them up, they they turn into toothpaste. They sort of froth and they turn into toothpaste. So I did try this, but they were disgusting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some people, if you go online and have a look, some people sort of take this to the extreme and make their own shampoo, make their own. Yeah. So that was the marine conservation thing just for a month. Do you think you're tempted to do it for a whole year? I think a year would be really difficult. I think then it really comes down to a lifestyle choice, which is a real shame. I know I really think it's it's a real problem. It's something we need to be doing. Have you got anything else that you want to add about plastic or oceans? Don't think that you can't make a difference. So every time you take your own um, coffee cup or your own plastic bottle, you are saving an item from being thrown away. 
Cool. Thanks so much, Helen. So thanks so much to Helen and um, Elsa for contributing there. We've put their Twitter links on our Twitter. So that's at VLW Radio. Uh, but just before we end, Lucy, could we hear a quick waste disposal quiz? Yeah, <laughs> it was going to be more questions, but I think I've probably already given away some of the answers. So just the one question. What do you think is the most ubiquitous type of kind of plasticky litter? Option A, cigarette butts. Option B, plastic straws. Option C, candy wrappers. Or option D, coffee cups. May I just ask? Uh, the lids, sorry. Often. How would you like us to answer this? Do you want us to make a noise or? I do want noises, yeah. Whale noises. Oh. Oh. Emma. <laughs> How did you know it was me? Yeah, I, I actually, I'm going to go for coffee cups. Okay, coffee cup lids. Are we all in agreement? Anyone want to suggest something else? Was there plastic bags in there? No. Oh, okay. Then I'm not going to answer that. Oh. <laughs> oh yes, Catherine. Cigarette butts. Cigarette butts. Interesting. I can tell you that you're right. Cigarette butts, they cause a real headache, apparently. For but a- I, are I they think, plastic? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that plastic necessarily I'm, I I'm querying the quiz master here I don't know right, rather than a large chunk I found the quiz but you're, <laughs> but you're right I mean that they are terrible and they, they don't biodegrade yeah. and they're a real danger to cows that's what I was taught when I was working at Green Police at Glastonbury Festival really cigarette filters made up of tiny pl- pieces of plastic yes that uh, sounds right. okay, is I'm that, sorry I doubted are you are there more questions to this quiz or did, did nope, we successfully complete it no that was the question you amazing the okay well thanks so much uh, thanks Freddie for engineering thanks Andrea for coming along and thanks to Catherine Lucy for reappearing um, and that is a uh, good night from all of us um, thanks also to Elsa Helen and Phyllis for their contributions follow us on Twitter at VLW Radio for all of the links of contributors for this evening and on Facebook Very Loose Women Revamped next on Resonance FM Global Globules with Bacon Face and to play us out is a bit of Aretha Franklin, it ain't necessarily so because she talks about whales. Oh my. You ever heard about Jonah? He lay-